and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rappé. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, how is your Tuesday morning going so far? Oh, it's it's going fantastic, Eugene. What is this now? Eight straight weeks in the top 75? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, looking at some rankings yesterday and I uh, saw that uh, State of the Nova Nation has been ranked on Potomatic's top 75 sports rankings for the eighth straight week. That is awesome. Big shout outs to all the listeners and everyone who supports what we do by listening, downloading, and all that each and every week. Eight straight weeks is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, you can even sprinkle in some top 50s in there too. So yeah, thank you thank you to everyone. Yeah, hopefully one day we'll, we'll crack the top 25 just like the NCAA, the oh, yeah. AP polls, the, the AP, AP polls of a sports podcast. Yeah, we can even hopefully we can get in on the USA Today polls as well. Then I was uh I was looking at another rankings list, a certain poll yesterday too. After I saw that we'd been ranked for eight straight weeks, it got me thinking about another poll. And, and that is, uh, you know what I found, Chris? What'd you find? I found that Villanova is still number one. It's a great time to be ranked for Nova Nation. You got state of the Nova Nation. Eight straight weeks in the top 75, but more importantly, our cats are still number one. They've held it down for a week now. Yeah, it was uh, yeah one week down and four more to tie last year or three more. Because I remember a few episodes ago we were talking about how long we thought they can withhold they, this. They held it down last year for three weeks, so they just need two more to oh, tie it up. Okay. Just two more. All right. All right. We're almost there. So there, there was a pretty big game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you were watching. I was. Let's let's talk about this game. Let's. I was definitely very excited. I was at the Prudential Center for the first time since being depressed as a freshman in 2013. <laughs> Villanova, ranked number one, took on ranked Notre Dame in front of a sold-out Prudential Center, and it was packed from top to bottom deck. NCAA tournament-type atmosphere. Probably more Villanovans, surprisingly. I would say about a 60-40 split. Honestly, probably a little more Villanovans. Yeah, I mean, you were there, so you, you would definitely have a better gauge on that than I did on TV. It, it definitely sounded like there were more Villanova fans. I don't know about actual population, though. It's it's hard because they're both navy blue. I mean, some of them were green, so like that, that was like obvious. True. But it was still, still a little hard. But okay. the Wildcats beat the Fighting Irish in a game between two undefeated Catholic schools and the Wildcats came out on top, 74-66 to 66 in a thrilling game. Chris, what was your reaction to this game? I'm just glad that I finally got to see one of my teams win at Prudential Center, considering that I was at the Prudential Center less than 24 hours before that, watching the Devils get their butt handed to them by St. Louis. But anyway, Josh Hart played like a man possessed. You know how in, in uh, Space Jam, the Monstars take the NBA players' talents? Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like Josh Hart took NBA players' talents. Not that he wasn't talented enough to begin with, but he, he just – something was lit under him in the second half. I don't know what Jay said to him at halftime, but, but he played phenomenal. 37 points, 10 of 14 shooting, 14 of 14 from the line, which is a new record, by the way. 11 boards. Four assists, and this is coming off a triple double the week before. Josh Hart is now in the forefront of National Player of the Year. I, I, it's just mind-boggling, considering that as a Villanova fan for the past I don't know how many years, ten plus, 
that they now have a national player of the year candidate. And as me and you were discussing during the game, this team got off to a slow start as we, I think we both kind of predicted in our last episode, considering how bad they played against LaSalle. Notre Dame really took it to them. Yeah, definitely, definitely slow start, which was a little scary. Very scary. I mean, Josh Hart, he didn't look that good against LaSalle. He, he, no. he, he dropped over 20 points, but 8 of 18 against LaSalle made me, made me a little worried about what Notre Dame would do to you. Yeah, I exactly agree. I kind of why I made the Monstars reference. I kind of felt like he lost a little bit of talent and then gained it right back. <laughs> Yeah, his 14 made free throws is a new record for any Villanovan. No one has ever taken that many free throws without missing, and now Josh Hart has the record. You know, in the very, very beginning, I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. Notre Dame came out and punched them in the mouth. Yeah, they did. Uh, And I wasn't exactly sure if they were going to respond well to that as if you, if anyone would want to open up our chat, our Facebook Messenger chat for that game, you will understand how angry I was at the beginning of this game. Yeah, the Wildcats weren't moving the ball well. I felt like no one was, they weren't swinging it around. I felt like they were taking not so smart shots, contested shots. Mm-hmm. Josh Hart, I was like, is, is he, is this LaSalle again? Like, is this going to yeah. be LaSalle but worse? Right. Too and much I thought, ISO. Yeah, way too much ISO. We were complaining about the ISO last time and then they went straight to the ISO. It's like they didn't listen to us. No, no. I mean, come on. Top 75 podcast, you got to listen. We're the only Villanova podcast around. I mean, please, take our advice, Mr. Wright. You know, when you saw Notre Dame just string along those threes, those <laughs> made baskets, they were they took Villanova's game plan. They were moving the ball around. We weren't doing any of that to start. No, not at all. And you want to know what they were doing? They were using LaSalle's blueprint, <laughs> moving Villanova off the line, three-point line, making them take – Terrible shots, as you just mentioned before. And then they were taking good shots of their own by swinging it to the weak side because our weak side defense was an absolute sieve for the first 10-plus minutes. The scouting report definitely had Farrell. I mean, he's not one of their top three options. And he came out and got it going right from the get-go. Oh, yeah, he did. Finishing with 18 points, six assists, two steals. He, the way he played reminded me of a leprechaun hopping around all over the place, miniature point guard. I, a lot of the announcers said that it, he was playing this way because of his, it was a homecoming of sorts for him. But he's from Burlington County, not, not exactly close to Newark, I don't know, depending on where he is. But I guess the whole New Jersey thing got him hyped. Yeah, there were a few Jersey boys on the team. I didn't realize how many guys were from New Jersey until they announced the starting lineups. Yeah, neither did I. I only knew of uh, the Gibbs brother, and that was because he went to one of my rival high schools. But, yeah, I, who who were some other ones? Was, was this Astoria from Jersey? I don't I don't remember. I believe so, yes. Yeah, I tweeted about this before the game started, but they had the Seton Hall Big East Tournament banner literally hanging over their heads. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. There was just so much symbolism in that. Like, <laughs> literally, you're the, you're the one mistake, the one blemish to last year literally hung over their heads while Notre Dame was giving them a beat down to start the game. <laughs> yeah, it was that banner was a bad omen of sorts. And when I was at the Devils game the night before, I had texted you a picture of that because they hadn't raised it for whatever reason the last time I was there. And I just texted you a sad face at that. <laughs> and then you made that comment. And I'm like, oh, that's gold. <laughs> Every time something bad happened, I just kind of looked up at it and was like, Ugh. 
just sighed in sadness. But then you remembered that it was the last time they had lost. So, and it's yeah. been a while. That's been it, has, a while. it has been a hot minute. Mm-hmm. At one point in the game, the Fighting Irish push it to 11 midway through the first half. At that point, what were you thinking? Because I remember going in to this game, you thought that the Irish were going to win, and I thought Villanova was going to win. But when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think Chris might be right. I think Chris might be right. Yeah, and I was thinking I was going to be right, unfortunately. It didn't feel like 11 points, though, which is what was kind of assuring. Like, you kind of felt like Villanova was in it the whole time, even though they were getting punched in the mouth early. You kind of felt like that 11 points, they could kind of make up like that. It kind of felt like the Big East Championship in that way, you know, Seton Hall went out to a huge lead. I don't remember the exact point total, but you never really felt Villanova was out of it. And obviously they were able to catch up and unable to complete their task in that, unlike this game. But yeah, that that was that's kind of how I felt. See, I felt just the opposite. I was like, oh, really? God, it's only 11? I thought it was 21. Really? You know, Villanova just didn't look disciplined on defense, just like they looked like against LaSalle. And then on the other hand, Notre Dame had no problem finding the ball and getting it right through the basket with ease. It was sad. I was very scared. They continued to make some questionable shots. There were some turnovers. I was starting to get worried. I was like, oh no, is this the, is this, am I going to witness another Villanova (laughs) getting upset at the Prudential Center? Yeah, you should probably stop going. (laughs) I, I, you know, thankfully I got to exercise some past demons on Saturday. Yeah, your freshman self can rest easy. Then, you know, and then the first half, how did that end? Oh, don't, don't, don't you dare bring that up. Nice basket. (laughs) I forgot what happened just for the first half because what happened next made me so irate. I threw my phone. They literally let Farrell just dribble down the court all willy nilly, four seconds left on the clock, and just uncontested, just puts a layup in right at the buzzer. Yeah, that, that was just obscene i've ne- i had never seen anything like that before like even like wreckly back in like middle school I've, i didn't even see that stuff everyone would stop the ball at least and it, and the one person who was in prime position to stop ball was bridges and he never has a mental lapse like that so that was very very concerning and i know i just said that it kind of felt like they were in it the whole time but it made you wonder going into that half it was like are, are they mentally in this? Because if they're just coasting by, they're going to lose, but they'll keep it close. Yeah, they cut it down to three, and then next thing you know, that easy Farrell layup makes it five while everyone just stood there and watched them go. Like, yeah, it was just, like they, they thought it was after the buzzer. Yeah, I know. I mean, really, they they rolled out the, the red carpet for him. Just here, go on, go on, take, take your layup. Free two points, no big deal. At that point, Josh Hart had 19 points, which came as a surprise to me. He kind of did it. I didn't even realize he was doing that well going to halftime because he didn't start out so hot. I remember yeah. you know, I was messaging you. I was like, why is he taking turnaround fadeaways? <laughs> He's not going to make – like, what is he doing? Yeah, no, I, I expressed the same sentiments with you. And and like you said, 19 points. That was a very, very not quiet 19. Contested layoffs in traffic. And I was like, I was like, this is not – we don't do ISO. We, we're not an no. ISO team. <laughs> no, I know. It was so frustrating to watch. And then I kind of half – heartingly joked that it's because you know josh is now an nba prospect so jay has to show off his talents by running nba iso plays so they come out of the half now if you ask them what did what adjustments they made all they said was they they just told each other that they needed to play harder no no actual changes were made i don't know if i buy that completely but hey it worked out because notre dame kept the lead still for most of it but then finally nova started to creep back 
and then eventually they spurred ahead. I mean, you saw that nice block by Eastbin. Yeah. And then it, the ball found its way to Josh Hart, who's charging right down the court. Notre Dame defense is quickly trying to catch up to him, and then he just dishes it out to Brunson for an easy layup. And that gave Villanova its first lead with about nine minutes left to go. Did you start to feel it? Did you start to feel the wheels kind of turning? I did start to feel it, Mr. Krabs. Josh, like I said, it was like, I think it was that play that he kind of just turned on the Jets and it was just like, this is my game. Don't, don't touch the ball. Give it to me. I am taking over. But yeah, he's, he's been with that block was it really showed off just his underrated ability just to play defense because he's just so lengthy. Like he can play anywhere on the court. It was great. I and mean, he blocked it at the top of the, the key. And then it led to the fast break. Um, he also had some nice plays inside. He had that, what was it, the nice like reverse layup, so to speak. He got him on the pump fake and then went up with a strong. I think that was in the first half, though. Yeah. Yeah, he, he played very well. Too, with Pascal coming in from Ordem, he was known as an offensive guy. And then you see him make, you know, his best play. The biggest play they made was on defense. Yeah. So that just kind of shows his turnaround and how he's really finding his niche on this team. But Josh Hart. He won me over. Like, if there was any doubt in my mind from that LaSalle game, it was all erased. Anything I said, I take it back. I want it. Oh, let's put on wax that I re- can't. Anything negative I said about Josh Hart after LaSalle because he played with little regard for human life in that day. <laughs> that man was a cold-blooded assassin. He did. He just went in. I have never seen such a dominant performance by a single Villanova basketball player in my four years there. And after, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of any other possible competition for that for that title. That was it. Was just an insane performance. He, he just couldn't. He just couldn't stop. And <laughs> it wasn't even threes. Like he was making a lot of nice plays inside. Yeah, he was. He was driving to the basket, getting and ones, which was uh, just a myth for this team up until that point because no one wanted to drive to the damn basket. So, and it helped during that time that. While Hart started to really heat up and take over in the second half, that Noah was able to hold Notre Dame scoreless for about three minutes. And it was actually just enough to really help Villanova to take the lead. Yeah, the one thing we really talked about in the last podcast was, one, how efficient Notre Dame was shooting the ball, and two, how they don't turn the ball over, which Villanova both forced, uh, which Villanova forced Notre Dame to do both of at a very, very high percentage. It, or at least relatively high percentage. Notre Dame finished with a high amount of turnovers for what they're usually for the, what they're usually used to, and then their shooting percentage went way down, regressed significantly in the second half. And like you said, it, Josh was able to take over because of it. He was feeding off that defensive energy. The key thing too was Villanova did not foul because, as we all know, that they came in with a top free throw shooting percentage in the country. And they were automatic. <laughs> yeah. The crowd could have done whatever they wanted. They could have brought in noisemakers, megaphones. Like they were they were just not phased. They were not missing. No, not at all. It's like it's an it's an automatic basket every time you foul them. So it was in their best interest. They just keep their hands off. Exactly. And it was just straight up man-to-man defense. Like show them what you got. And they really held them towards coming in down the stretch. And then Jenkins, who I had also some strong opinions for. Because he was not feeling it again on offense. He was two for nine, one for five from three-point range, seven (laughs) points. But three of those came at possibly the biggest moment right towards the end in the last two and a half minutes. He got fouled while making a layup, sinks the layup, converts the end one. 
Next thing you know, Nova's got a four-point lead coming down the stretch. And that and with that, they were able to pull away and keep Notre Dame off of them. Yeah, the, the Jenkins and one was definitely the dagger. We were going back and forth about how upset we are at how Jenkins was performing in these past few games. And it was kind of kind of culminated with that Notre Dame performance. But he was, I guess he heard us. He was able to sink that and one, which was pretty huge because – I think Notre Dame was kind of clawing its way back at that point. Jenkins got real hyped off of it, which is always something I like to see. I will give Jenkins props. This was definitely something that kind of went under notice because Notre Dame got such good production from Farrell and Vasteria, who end up with 18 points each. Mm-hmm. But he kept Bonzi Colson in check for most of that game. Bonzi Colson had a six-game double-double streak coming into Saturday. That man was a double-double machine, hype machine, just like Jenkins, and I didn't see Bonzi Colson jumping around. I didn't see Bonzi Colson fist bumping or any of that. No. Jenkins kept him pretty quiet for most of the game. Yeah, and that's something you really don't really think of Jenkins of as like a premier defender, but he was able to hold him in check. Other than that one ridiculous shot Colson had, I think it was an and one that kind of just rolled its way in. He, he really didn't do much, I have to say, which was huge. Yeah, 11 points and 8 rebounds, which is... It just pales in comparison to his, like, 2010 nights that he's been having lately. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a few things. Is it about, is it about how bad Dante was? Because, God almighty, that was atrocious. Oh, do you want to oh, you you circle back to that? Look, oh, okay. I, I kind of want to because I, I feel like we have to bring it up. Dante DiVincenzo, if there's anything Dante DiVincenzo showed me on Saturday, it's that we need Phil Booth. Phil Booth, was, he looked great in a suit. Yeah. I wonder if Jay hooked him up with that or Jay hooked <laughs> him up with his tailor. Look, fly. But Dante DiVincenzo, man, he just he just looked like it was too much for him. I, I guess you're right. Uh, maybe the moment was too big for him, but you're a redshirt freshman who kind of played a little bit last year in big games. Did you laid a goose egg on the board? Oh, on all four shooting, turned it over twice. The defense was subpar. You were he was a liability. And this is something, and I kept saying all preseason and even parts of the beginning of this season, how I was expecting huge things from Dante. I was expecting him to take the next leap. And he started off pretty well. But these past few games, what what has he been doing? He looks lost. Yeah, this Saturday he really disappeared. And it, it, it was tough because, you know, it's one thing, not a lot of guys were hot. Like, I, I, I accepted that, Josh took over, scored over half the points. A lot of guys were just not doing so well on offense. But to also turn the ball over and not contribute that much on defense, that was a little tough. I mean, Farrell was – Farrell was the fourth option, and he had a really good night. Right. Yeah, he was eating him alive too. Because Jalen – we were discussing it during the game. We couldn't tell if Jalen was hurt or he just needed an extended breather. But Dante played a little bit longer than I think most Nova fans would like. He he was hurt. That that actually yeah. You bring yeah. that up. Jalen was hurt. He was being tended to by the trainer for a little while. He was grabbing. It looked like his leg or something. Mm-hmm. But he was being worked on, and that gave Dante DiVincenzo extended minutes. But did you see later how we had Mikael Bridges running the point? Like Jay even noticed that Dante wasn't doing so hot, and he had Mikael Bridges running the point. It was a Giannis Antetokounmpo esque. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every minute of it. The point forward. I liked it too. I thought that was one of the best lineups of the night when they had him running the point because it was just monstrous on defense. 
I I agree. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, on defensive on the defensive end, you really had no liabilities. You were playing man to man, so it's not like you really need a guard out there. And on offense, everything was running through Josh anyway. I mean, yeah, you had Bridges bringing it up, but it it really didn't matter at that point. I want to see that more often, to be honest with you. I know Jay loves his guards, and this is guard you, but. I, I want to see the Bridges, Hart, Jenkins, Pascal, and Daryl line up m- more often this season. Yeah, and that was definitely a cool way to bring it in, and it really worked. And then Jalen came back, obviously, towards the end, and he was able to finish it off. But I really liked what I saw in those maybe three or four minutes in which they had Bridges at the point doing it Greek Freak style. <laughs> I Yeah, it was just so cool. So and Giannis is one of my favorite NBA players right now. Not not just because of his two K prowess, but just because of the way he plays, Mister Mr. Versatility. Just like Bridges, this was all yeah, enough. And that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. And Bridges just showed that he has one more ability to play point forward. <laughs> so now Villanova's won ten straight. They've got Temple and American left before conference play. Do you think they'll beat them and go undefeated into the start of Biggie's play? I think they'll beat American. Pretty, pretty handily. That's at the pavilion, right? Yes. Temple's at the pavilion? Yes. Temple's right. tonight. Yeah, Temple is tonight at the pavilion. Oh, geez. That's right. Wow. I'll have them beating Temple, but I, as, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more when we uh, preview this game. I think, they'll, I think this is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Okay. Okay. Now, you got to beat Temple. You got to beat American. How about we extend it to the lone straggler of non-conference play? Villanova has won against Virginia at the end of January. It's sold out already from what I've heard. I believe it's on January 29th. It's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Do you see the Wildcats beating the Cavaliers to go undefeated for the year in non-conference play, 13-0? I, I completely forgot this game was happening. <laughs> it, it's weird because it's, it, it is one of those stragglers. You just think yeah. that's like, oh, it's, it's New Year's Eve. It's Big East only, but it's not. Uh, yeah. The whole scheduling thing threw me off. I don't know. It's it's too early to call, I say, because Virginia's still coming into their own. They are horrible offense, offensively. I think London Perantes is the only one who's averaging double digits right now for them. That's bad. But their defense is so good, it doesn't matter. But I, I, I don't know what you're going to see come Jan, late January. I think it'll completely depend on how both teams look at the time, If who's hot, who's not. And if they're pretty even, I'd give the edge to Nova just because they're home. But that Virginia defense looks mighty, mighty good, at least early on. Yeah, going into the season, I definitely thought that the Villanova – or the Virginia defense, rather, would give Villanova a hard time and actually beat the Wildcats at the Wells Fargo Center. But mm-hmm. now that we've seen them, like you said, that offense, just I'm just not feeling it. It just looks like they don't know what to do. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you thought we looked lost for – what, like – Half of a half. They they've yeah. been lost. They've been lost all season. Like it's literally the defense carrying them. But if you had them run a half court set, they just look like. Where's London? Can London shoot the ball? Oh no, he's double teamed. Oh, what do we do now? <laughs> oh god. Yeah. It, to to quote Todd Gurley of the uh, Los Angeles Rams about his uh, recently fired coach, they're running a middle school offense out there. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna, we're, yeah, we're gonna have to revisit that. But as of right now, I'm gonna change, and I think Villanova is gonna go 13 and 0. Okay, all right. Right now, right now, on December 13th, 
thirteen and zero. Let's check back as we get closer to that game. Yep, I'm on, I'm on the same boat as you. And and just to say, I didn't change my pick for the Notre Dame game just to say, oh, I picked Villanova in the preseason and then I picked Notre Dame now, so I got all my bases covered. I I actually legitimately thought Notre Dame was gonna win. I did not mean for that to happen. I kind of thought of it after we our last show. I was like, oh, that that's kind of stupid of me, but just just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> so after the game, let's go to the post game conference. Oh no! After the game, Josh Hart was asked about scoring career high thirty seven, and he said with a great laugh and a smile, "quote I honestly don't know how many points I had. I was just trying to make the right play." End quote. <laughs> Do you buy Josh Hart having no knowledge of thirty seven? <laughs> um. Yeah. Yes and no. I uh, I think that he knew – I don't think he knew the exact total because it wasn't like he was closing in on a milestone or anything or he was approaching like 50 points or whatever it may be. I, I think he knew that he was hot though, and I think he knew he was legitimately leading the team in scoring. I don't know if he knew about half of the points though, if he if scoring half the total points. But he, he, he definitely knew that it, it was all going through him and he, he – took substantial control of that. See, I think, yeah, like you said, I think he definitely knew he had a lot. I think it's very hard to not notice when you're making, when you have the ball a lot of the times, and when you have the ball, the ball falls through the hoop a lot of the times because of your own doing. Like, it's hard to not notice that. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) in the Prudential Center, there was a scoreboard. I'm sure (laughs) someone was looking at that scoreboard. And when you look at the scoreboard, there's stats. (laughs) <laughs> and it's the Prudential Center. It's not the Pavilion. Like, it's got his name, Big Heart, number three. It's got his points, rebounds, and assists. It's not like the Pavilion where it's all old and you can't, you know, you got to look at it really closely. It's got to clear. I think, you know, I'm sure he's checked up once in a while to check how much time's left, what the score is. And then while he's doing all that, I'm, I'm going to take a little peek at my rising 37. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely wanted to hit the the halfway mark for total points at some point. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he came in today going, yeah, I think I'm going to drop 37 today. No, but, he, he definitely didn't. <laughs> but I'm sure he, he was checking how he was doing. I'm sure he was giving a little peek, a little peek while he was checking the score. Yeah. While counting the dollar bills as he slowly climbs everyone's draft boards. That too. That too. Draft, shout out to Draft Express. So, also, Jay Wright was asked if he had any specifically designed plays for Josh Hart. And he said after that big game, he didn't. Well, no, he didn't at first. But now after that big game, he said he's going to start adding some in now that he knows what Josh Hart is capable of. And the reason he didn't have any specific tailor-made plays before was apparently because they have so many weapons. Do you support more designed plays for Josh Hart? And do you really believe that they had no specific tailor-made plays for Josh? No. What was the first 10 minutes of the game then with running straight-up ISO with Josh Hart? That that alone is a design play for him, isn't it? So he definitely had something in the playbook for him. They, they, I mean, I'll buy the argument that they have a lot of weapons and that he tries not to make specifically tailor-made plays for everyone. But if you're running an ISO play – you're going to give it to your best player or your most dynamic player, and that's Josh Hart. So, no, I don't buy it. Sorry, Jay. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence up for this one. I feel like it was something like 
he saw Josh start to heat up. So he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to start getting the ball more. But yeah. I'm all for more Josh Hart-specific design plays. He definitely had a ton for Arch. He, he had, like, I mean, binders full for Arch. Yeah, I mean, the, the championship-winning play was the design for Arch. <laughs> yeah, and, and look what happens at the end of every game. They give it to Arch, and then he either pulls up or he drives in and hopes for, like, an and-one or something. Correct. So I, I'm all for more plays for Josh Hart. It, mm. it looked pretty good. Yeah, but at what point does a specifically drawn play for him become ISO? I just don't want to deal with that again. I kind of want to just stay away from the me ball type mentality and start working the ball around like we did during tournament time last year. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I do, I do, I do agree with that because the beginning of that game was really scary. Yeah. But we'll say that for a time when it just doesn't work out. Hopefully that never comes. Yes. Run the table. So Jay was also asked about his thoughts on the National Player of the Year award, which Jerry was also asked about his thoughts on the National Player of the Year Award, which Hart happens to be a part of the race for. Mm-hmm. And Jay Wright said, quote, I don't follow that enough. But he's... <laughs> Can't even read that. Can't even read that. That quote. All right, he said, quote, I don't follow that enough. But he's as good as any player in the country. He's so complete. He will do whatever it takes to win games, and he has the ability to do so at the right time. He did everything. He is as complete a player as we've ever had, end quote. How much of Jay's response do you buy? He, he danced around that question so well. I don't follow that enough. Okay, Jay. Yes, you do. I mean, maybe not this early he's following it, but – Come on. Isn't that something you want to add to your coaching resume that you coached the National Player of the Year? I mean, John Wooden won all those championships, but he also coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He also coached Bill Walton. Now, I'm not saying Josh Hart's on the same level as them. It's something to say you did. It's something something you should add to the resume. You want to be a Hall of Fame coach one day. I, I think you should start paying attention a little bit. I think it was a safe response. Yes, as usual. Whether he doesn't follow it enough, I'm sorry, but if you turn on ESPN or any kind of news, it's literally Josh Hart, National Player of the Year candidate, or National Player of the Year, somehow that award just follows his name. You just ha- like, how can you not think about it? How can you yeah. not follow it? Yeah. And you're going to get more media attention now, too. I'm sure people will be asking during press conferences. More, more, more times now than, than ever because there certainly wasn't a problem last year and it certainly wasn't a question up until until the other day. So it's it's now going to be in, in your conscious. But I think, I, think, I think Jay Wright answered that question with the rest of his quote because he basically said, yeah, he's one of the best around there. And he said he's as good as a player in, as anyone in the country. So in a way, he pretty much he laid out his answer. Yeah, true. He doesn't want to offend any other players, though. He's not trying to stir the pot. Right. Which, we you know, I don't know. State of the Nova Nation. Mm-hmm. We, we, we exercise our index and middle finger to play the chef cookout game. Oh, that's right. Forgot about that game. <laughs> so next up for Villanova is Big Five rival Temple, where the Cats play tonight at 7. Game's on Fox Sports 1 if you're not going to be there. It's the last home game of the semester. 
or at least before students go home for a break. So they're definitely going to take a nice study break from finals for this. What are your thoughts on the Temple team? All right, so I kind of hinted at before that Temple might give Villanova some problems, and here's why. 3-0 in Big 5 play, so I guess this is the de facto Big 5 championship, if that means anything to you. Uh, they have a lot of Philadelphia tradition. Oh, right. Yeah, well, I'm from New Jersey. Sorry. They, uh, they have a pair of top 25 wins. They knocked off Florida State and Colorado in back-to-back games over Thanksgiving weekend. And Colorado, I think, recently beat someone big. I think it might have been Butler or Xavier. No, Xavier. So Colorado is not, not a team uh, to be taken lightly. So Temple's got two big wins. So some of the key players for Temple, you got forward Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's averaging 18.6 points on the year, which is a team and currently a career high for him. He's shooting 47% from the field, which includes just under 50% from three-point range. This guy is pretty good. It's his highest shooting percentage of his career, and he drastically improved as a three-point shooter. This guy is the definition, a shooter-shoot, just like Steve Astoria, as I pointed out last game. Gonna have to mark him. Then you got Shiz Austin Jr., He's an all-around freshman guard. He's averaging second-highest points in the team, 12.8. He can score, dish, rebound, but very inefficient, kind of like Billy Garrett Jr. on DePaul. Shooting third. Yeah. Don't mean to make that comparison, but, I mean, you kind of have to. 39.8% from the field and a woeful 26.8% from deep. He will definitely – his main prerogatives give it to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, the third option for Temple, in my opinion, is Quentin Rose, steady contributor, freshman. And he's averaging double-digit soaring, so pretty good option for the Owls up front. And then lastly, Josh Brown, very interesting story here. He tore his Achilles in the offseason, and he's given himself a, a self-proclaimed seven-game trial period to decide if he wants to play out the rest of the year or shut it down and medically redshirt. So that's a kind of a tough decision mentally and physically. I don't know how you can do that to yourself. I would either – I would make the decision right off the bat because if I'm, I would be – with the Achilles injury, I would never want to – I would be afraid every time I take a step that my Achilles is just going to snap in half, let alone play seven more games. As someone who has had a lot of injuries in the last three years, I would definitely – I would be on the chair in a suit in a heartbeat, and I'll see you guys next year. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, Kobe couldn't even come back from this. So it's it's a very devastating injury. Uh, but he's he's making it work. He's four games in to the test run. Uh, he returns on November 30th, so just after Thanksgiving. He's coming off a pretty effective performance, although it's against Nepal. So take it with a grain of salt. Play That's 28 a conference team. That's a power conference team right there. Okay. Okay. Right. So I've been told. He's coming off a performance where he put up t- logged 28 minutes, dropped 10 points, got seven steals, which is it's a lot. <laughs> I was expecting to put rebounds there, but that says steals. Uh, five assists and only had one turnover. Not sure. He's not exactly sure right now as to how much he'll play against Nova, but I'm sure they'll ease him in, and he's going to be taking it day by day. It's It's definitely tough. I mean, totally see why he would want to try it, but I feel like at the same time, you know, it's your last year. Why not save it for next year? But like you said, the guy that you refer to as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which 
it's perfectly fitting because I think that new Star Wars movie isn't it coming out soon or did it come out already? I don't know yet. Oh, it's coming out Friday. I'm going to see it for my family. Oh, okay, yeah, Rogue One. Very fitting to drop in Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> even though this is Obi Anechionia. That what a name! Yeah, what a name! It, it's like a tough, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kenobi. Kenobi's definitely better. <laughs> but he has really stepped forward after you know he's one of the main guys last year, but now he's the go-to guy after sitting behind Quentin Nicosi and Jalen Bond. So it's pretty cool to see him come to his own. So the Owls have been two top 25 teams so far this season. What do you think about them? Do you, do you see them pulling off the upset? You know, I know you, you feel a little scared or you feel a little uneasy about this. You know, who's, who's taking home the big five crown? I think Villanova will win. I think by double digits, but I think Temple's going to give them a game and a, and a pretty good one. In fact, I mean, if they had Quentin Decozy, I'd be a little bit more un- uneasy about this. Um, there are two, there are two freshmen, Rose and and Alston Jr. Very good players. They have filled the role that Decozy left behind pretty well so far. They have those two top twenty-five wins, which is very concerning. But it's at the Pavilion. It's Big Five for them in their minds. They get hyped for it, so I think they'll win. But don't be. Don't get don't get all upset if Temple starts to give them a game because just like LaSalle, they snuck up on us and that got me angry. So I'm expecting a game here, but Villanova will ultimately win. I I think JB crossover, Jalen Brunson loves playing JB crossover basketball against big five teams. So even if Hart wants to take it easy, I feel like Jalen will drop like 25. Oh right, yeah, this is against his father's alma mater. I really forgot. <laughs> yeah, remember what he did to them last year? God, he uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, we we dubbed that one the ultimate trap game of twenty of the twenty fifteen twenty sixteen year. We and thought they was, were gonna lose. There was no trap. There was there was no trap. Admiral Akbar called him <laughs> and said there was no trap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jalen Brunson posing as Admiral Akbar just totally yeah. took that one over. Should Villanova win, which Ken Palm has him at ninety five percent for, so I I trust good old Kenny. Okay. But should they win, the seniors on its team will finish their career 16-0 versus Big 5 opponents, which is definitely pretty cool and something that the seniors that came before them can't say. So that's that's pretty nice to have to your name. Yeah, oh, that, that is pretty cool. Is that the first senior class or, or any class really to do that? I can look that up. Yeah, we're going to send our people on that because, as we know, there were some crazy w- runs back in, like, the ancient Stone Age. I know, but I kind of feel like they were more competitive back then, at least the other big five schools. We'll set our people on it. Okay. We'll keep an eye out for the number one ranked Cats tonight. But in the meantime, there was a bit of news that actually unfolded literally less than an hour after we got off the mic on Thursday. I remember I texted you this. On my way to work, I was like, wow, if only this happened while we were still on the air. <laughs> Patrick Tiernan, <laughs> the GOAT, had one of the Zatopec 10. Zatopec? Zatopec. However you pronounce it. In Australia. <laughs> which is the country's national cross-country race. So three weeks after beating Edward Chazarek and winning the NCAA title, he goes on and instead of relaxing, taking it easy, you know, getting some R&R, he goes back to his home country and wins another national championship, making him now a national champion in the United States and now the land down under. 
Shout out to you, Patrick Tiernan, for being a two-time national champion in less than a month. What a what a sick, sick man. <laughs> that is that is insane. I mean, you you want to talk about some athletic achievements? This this has got to rank up there. How how is ESPN not caught on to this, or any big news network catch on to this? This is this is nuts. He's he just... literally a, a he. He's like the king of two countries. I know it's absurd. He he wins the national championship here, and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go run in Australia for a bit. No big deal. And and, and wins that with relative ease too. It, so that counts as a national championship on what level? Just like on a personal level, or is it like did he run under like a college or something there? It was it was personal. It was personal. Okay, so it was just kind of a freelancer thing. Just kind of showed up. Yeah, it's him, and not and because it's you know a national competition. Not necessarily everyone's going to be college age. So he was running running against some grown men out there. Yeah, that he he's pretty good, I'd say. It, it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, Patrick, where you go? We got finals coming up. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like, oh, where's Patrick? Oh, he's on vacation. And then you find out on Twitter, just wins, casually wins another national championship. Yeah, yeah, no, no big deal. The, why, why is it called the Zattopec 10? Is that like their sponsor? I feel like it has to be a sponsor, Australian sponsor. The 10 is the ride from like the 10 kilometer race. Right, yeah. But... You know, I did some research into it, and there was an Olympian, a famous Olympian, named Emil Zatopek, or Zatopek. I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. There were a few accents in his name. There were there were a few accents in his name. Okay. But he was, you know, he'd won a number of gold medals, world titles, but he wasn't from Australia, so I don't know what his, uh, I don't know exactly what the tie is. And I looked on Australian websites, and they just didn't really have much information on why it's named that. Hmm. It's one of those mysteries. We'll get our people on that. Yeah, but it you know the trophy looks great. I mean, I you know there was a great picture of Patrick posing with the trophy, holding his NCAA title trophy with it too. I don't even think you call it oh, trophy. Really? It looked more like a bust. It honestly looked more like a bust. So, hmm. got, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just taking a look at it now. Yeah, that yeah, that's a bust. I don't know if that's Zatopek. <laughs> I, I I have to assume that's him. I would assume that's him too. Yeah, he's got, yeah he's got the. He's got the NCAA trophy right there, too. He's got his Villanova track and field shirt on. Yeah, yeah. Mark Jackson actually hooked him up with a custom Villanova uniform for him to race in for the race. So that's pretty cool. Oh, swerve. Yeah, he finished in first with a time of 27.59.74, approximately 30 seconds in front of second place. Oh, my God. This guy's a scorcher. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. You know, I'm sure he was like, man, if I beat Edward Cheswick, I can do anything. And then he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go race everywhere <laughs> until I until I don't win. I wonder what country's next. New Zealand? Uh, yeah. Indonesia. I mean, it's all right there. Might as well. <laughs> the Patrick Tiernan World Tour. <laughs> yeah, instead of yeah, instead of a championship parade, he's just like, nah, I just want to go race somewhere. <laughs> he's going to be like, after he like wins like five five countries national championships. He's going to be like Forrest Gump at the end of the movie. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> <laughs> One day I just stopped running. <laughs> so after the race, Tiernan, he's a Nazi, born, got his Australian roots. Now, he, after the race, he said, 
that winning the Zatapec 10 was a bigger deal than the NCAA championship, saying that it was something he'd always dreamed of. Now, if you're Tiernan, was this really bigger than unseating Cesarek and winning that NCAA title? I mean, I really can't. I really can't say because I'm not an Australian. I feel, yeah, like, I feel like I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a there's a traditional barrier that I just don't. I just wouldn't understand. Right. I yeah. I'd have to agree with that sentiment. I, I feel like if you're a cross country runner in Australia, I feel like this kind of pops up in discussions more times than not about the ultimate goals of cross country running. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I'm just just based off research and what I've read. That's what it seems like. So I, I feel like, that, yeah, this this is probably just as big of a deal, if not bigger, in the grand scheme of things. And obviously, it's in it's in his home country, so I think it needs just that, just a smidge more, just because of that. You know, I'm sure people look at us weird, like, why does this country care about college kids playing sports? Right. Like, like I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. that you know, I'm sure yeah. that there are things that don't make sense to us. That is very true. But it's just. You know, you beat Cesarek, and he's got all those NCAA titles. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but then you just beat a whole country. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And, and th- that's his home country. You know what? Right. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, congratulations once again. <laughs> Women's basketball took the court on Saturday, going against Temple. And it was it was it was a game that they're probably gonna hope that they're gonna forget. The Wildcats lost to the Owls eighty three to forty eight, falling to four and five overall, and now two and one in Big Five play. Temple's smothering defense held Villanova to shoot just thirty one point one percent on the floor, and even worse twenty seven point three from deep. Temple was off to a twenty three to nine start at the end of the first quarter, and just kept building onto its lead. That's a pretty hard hole to climb out of. Yeah, I also predicted Villanova to win this one. Bad call. I thought the Wildcats would win. And even if they were to lose, I I just didn't think Temple would do this to them. Yeah, this this was – they obliterated them. <laughs> you know, you had two different Owls score at least 20 points, and then you had another two players contribute double-doubles. And, and, and they put on a defensive show too. Nonetheless, so even if Villanova was able to keep up offensively, I don't think they were they were going to be able to. I mean, for Villanova, Jana Tucker led the way with 15 points, while Adriana Hahn had 10. But if you just look at the the box score, no one was really able to get it going. And even though they had 15 and 10 respectively, those percentages weren't weren't uh, ideal. They were inefficient, as we said. Yes. Yes, and we love we love we should you know Ken Palm tracks offensive efficiency. We should just come up with our own metric. The SNN efficiency rating. Yes, just like how ESPN has the QBR, QBR, BPI, whatever ESPN only stats that they like to impose onto everything. Right, point. and and the and the real fans who actually know the game actually know that those aren't real stats. No. But unfortunately, <laughs> for the casual people, they eat up QBR. Uh huh. QBR is a big, big selling point. So the Cats will be off for 11 days. Then they'll play the Duke Blue Devils on December 21st. Pretty long time from now, so we're not going to talk about that just yet. But we will talk about finals week, which is coming up, which is why the women's basketball team is taking such a number 
of days off them and also practically basically all around the athletics department they're they're going to be taking it easy for a little while while they square away their finals now it wasn't that long ago since we were college students grinding it out during finals week what advice do you got for the nationers out there that will try to endure finals week and for the freshmen who are listening to this podcast how can we make it as smooth as possible for them my advice and this is something I didn't realize until later on. If you have multiple finals in uh, like in, in like one day, or just or like two and three days, or whatever it may be, focus on whatever you feel like is the hardest one. That's that's what I did. Bang out all the hard studying first, and then worry about the, I guess, a lesser subject in your mind, because. When I was taking my accounting courses and intermediate one and two were kicking my butt, I really didn't have time for the theologies and the philosophies of the world to really you know, take up my time. So focus on what you deem is more important, what is going to matter to you in the real world. If you're an accounting major, focus on your accounting classes. English major, focus on your English classes. Don't worry about anything else besides your major courses. And I feel like that will help alleviate a lot of stress because once you focus on what's really important to you, you'll be able to space everything out and you'll feel even more satisfied if you get done with all that studying first and then you're able to focus on, you know, something easier and more enjoyable uh, for your like second exam. Definitely, definitely. If you have papers, which a lot of you will, do not, do not, it, it will... You'll think it's a good idea. It'll sound great because you don't have class, so you literally have all day to do these things. Please do not hold off those papers until the last minute. <laughs> I've, as someone who spent numbers of all like nights at F- Falvey, wow, I almost called it Farley, um, at Falvey, just putting these long papers together, or as Chris would like to call the quote-unquote alarm clock nights when, oh, <laughs> when I'm at the apartment, giving myself 20 minute naps in the living room with an alarm clock and then getting right back into it. It's just not a good idea. Try to bang out those papers the second you get them because it'll make your finals week a lot easier. And then you'll have plenty of time to study for all your exams and you'll feel less pressured. You'll feel less stressed and it'll just go a lot smoother. Yeah. I had a feeling you were going to go with that. (laughs) I, I also fell victim to that type of logic too. Holding it off to the last minute. And then, you know, kind of pulling the alarm clock night type ordeals. So, yeah, don't do that. Get it, get them done. Get, even if you, if you're in a uh, class with a group of friends, uh, you know, brainstorm with them, come up with whatever ideas, pass them back and forth, because it'll make the process move faster. It'll make, it'll keep you more energetic and it'll give you more motivation to finish. So that, that's all I, that's what I have to add to that. Yeah, the other thing is, too, is, like, yeah, you'll have tests while you're writing these papers, but let's be honest. I know people say, like, oh, I was studying for 12 hours. Let's, you're not studying for 12 hours. No one actually sits there and studies no. for 12 hours straight. That's no. a lie. That's the <laughs> biggest lie. Yes, I, <laughs> we know that all too well with our junior year, uh, junior year studying. When me, you, and Tom Shea would go to the library, we would spend 12 hours in the library, but I'd say maybe three of those hours were used efficiently, if, if, <laughs> if, if at all. So that's another thing. Use your time efficiently as well. 
limit so, your limit yourself to the time in the library. Don't go. Don't say, "Oh, I'm going to spend all day there." Spend like four hours there, but make sure all four of those hours are used efficient. Yeah, and then treat yourself with a break. The other oh, thing yeah. is too is switch between your assignments. So like, yeah, one for two hours, maybe you're studying for a test, and then you switch to like your paper. So then you're knocking out two birds with one stone, and you're not going to like burn yourself out let's say on an ACS paper and then you're studying for a calculus test. Like you're keeping the material fresh. Things are going to be different. So it's like kind of a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. You're not just kind of swamping yourself with one subject. Yeah. It re- yeah. It really relieves your brain too. I do the same thing at work. If I'm doing, if I'm working on, you know, like to something like payroll or something, then I might want to switch to something else like assets or something like that. Just to, you know, keep my mind ready, keep me on my toes and, you know, it, it breaks it up. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'll switch between pieces here and there, chipping away at one feature there, a preview here, and it just kind of helps me not go crazy over one thing. Yes, I, I agree. It, it does help alleviate the craziness. Now, this is kind of, it's not really a, a secret, but not a lot of people realize this. You can call Campus Corner, and they will deliver to you at the library. Yeah, any, pretty much anywhere on campus, really. Yeah, and it's, you know, you don't have to be in your dorm to do it. You can call them. They'll come right to the door. You just got to meet them outside. And then before you know it, you got some treats. Get yourself some zilly fries. I know people say you're supposed to eat healthy during finals week. No, no, no. No, just no, no. no. Treat yourself. Treat, treat, yourself. Yourself, treat yourself a little bit. Not not too much like like I did for four years. And now <laughs> I, had, I had to recover because of it. I'll be honest. One time. I'm pretty sure for like three days, all I ate was like pizza for lunch and dinner. Ugh. Just for like, I like, it was like finals week. And literally, I don't know what, it, I think it was because it was the easiest thing to get. Yeah. It's just like pizza. You know, you, you don't have to like deal with fork and knives. Like you just kind of have pizza and then you could study or you could do work while you have pizza. Mm-hmm. Definitely disgusting. I look back at campus corner half of the things probably would not appeal to me anymore i would kill for some zilly fries though <laughs> despite my lifestyle change th- those things were the best <laughs> kayla smith one of our great reporters here at viewbestmom.com and she also had a guest host guest co-host spot here a couple times there is actually a zilly fry pizza what secret menu campus corner secret menu oh she, stop you took a picture of it showed me it it's legit. It's a real thing. I would love to try it. Can you send me the picture of the secret menu, please? <laughs> I just want to see what it's about. I, I mean, I don't think there's a picture of the secret menu, but she just showed me the Zilly Fry pizza. And uh, it, looked, oh. it looked great. Oh, she took a picture of the pizza. Yes. Oh, I, I bet you there wouldn't be a secret menu picture because it wouldn't, wouldn't be secret. Exactly. Oh, well, that's cool. Make sure to catch some Z's. Get some sleep. Oh, yeah, that too. Don't be an idiot and stay up all night. Go to sleep. Especially if you have a morning test. Do not. Do not. Do not think it's like, oh, if I pull an all-nighter, I'll do better. No, it just. No. No. <laughs> like, it just doesn't. It really, like, we've done this. It doesn't work that way. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> and espresso shots are your friend. Yes. Can you believe today's reading day? They actually moved it to a Tuesday this year. Wasn't it always on a Friday? It was always exactly. on a Friday. It yeah, yeah. On a Friday. Tuesday. Why do they do that? No idea. So now, what 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 do they do the rest of the week? Finals. Oh, so they move finals up. Yeah. So final starts tomorrow. Exactly. Ooh, I don't know if I'd rather. Eh. Well, See, I guess I, I I I don't I wouldn't like that. I feel like I like that Friday being reading day. Yeah, me too. Because 
the Saturday exams were usually like for the huge classes, like FMR, like that's when you would get a Saturday final and then you would have Sunday to study anyway for pretty much everything else for the coming week. I feel like you're jumping right into it real, real too quick, a little too quick. Oh yeah. And also freshman mistake. I did this. Do not think the reading day is a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually use it. I'm pretty sure during my reading day freshman year, I played Madden like all day with my friend down the hall, and then I went to Philadelphia. <laughs> what did you end up doing in Philly that day? I just hung out, got some cheesesteaks. Really, honestly, I, I saw some Christmas stuff that they had in Philly. Like It, it just it, it was a good idea at the time. Wow, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had the same mentality freshman year, too. I'm not going to lie. At least the first time around. I kind of I thought that it was kind of like a day off. Oh, I can get away with this. Freshman year, I was able to, not later on. No, no. So, any idea when FMR, in this, uh, when the FMR final would be? Oh, man, you're asking the wrong person for this. I know. Time. I was just maybe you, one of uh, your employees was, uh, would have an idea. That's a good question. Cause we, should ask, we should ask them. Now that they moved up to three, oh boy. Imagine if that's if it's tomorrow. Oh, God. God bless you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in to State of the Nova Nation and for subscribing on iTunes. If you haven't done so already, it's free. It's completely free. And who doesn't like free things? Also, be sure to check us out at viewbenchmob.com for all things Villanova sports. You'll have your news and your updates. Also, follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, have a happy Tuesday. If you're a student at the fine esteemed university on 800 East Lancaster Ave, enjoy your reading day. Good luck with finals. And most importantly, always remember, we're still number one.